January. January is usually set aside for Sanctity of Life Month, a chance for all of us within the church to recognize and honor just that, Sanctity of Life. And so as we reflect back here at Study Verse by Verse on our series through Genesis, it brought us right into the middle of January. And what a great time to stop and reflect upon the sanctity of life as we see life established in Genesis and then brought forth in God's design. So let's catch up with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Leighton Sheely, here today on Study Verse by Verse as we explore sanctity of life and do so through the eyes of Genesis as well as a variety of other passages of Scripture. Here's Leighton with today's broadcast of Study Verse by Verse. Mankind's fallen nature is so convinced that God is not good and that he doesn't have a better design, that they want to erase any knowledge of God and suppress any truth. Folks, we are in a war. We are in a spiritual war. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. What's the goal of the enemy? To keep people from knowing God. And our culture today is full of false arguments and human reasoning that keep people from knowing God. And so as Christians, we need uh, to, to be ready to identify and knock down these false arguments Anything contrary to God's design, that means we need to know what God's design is. That's one of the reasons we're going through Genesis, is to establish again the knowledge of God's design. Because if Satan can rob people of the knowledge of God's will, he's going to rob people of all of the blessings that God would like to give us. People who make bad decisions and get involved in sinful activity, ultimately influence others to do the same. That's what's happening in the culture around us. Sin is contagious. Jesus likened it to yeast. Now, for decades, a Sunday in January has been designated Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. And so we want to understand today why abortion is against God's design, why it is against God's Word. The Christian Post published an article uh, on February 7th you know what the leading cause of death in the world is? You might think, well, it must be COVID. No, it's not even close. It's abortion. Christian's Post wrote, For a third year in a row, abortions have been the leading cause of death worldwide, with more than three times as many people losing their life from abortion than from the second leading cause of death. Wow. Around 42 and a half million abortions were performed globally in 2021. United States, sanctity of human life, the word sanctity means something that is holy or sacred, of ultimate importance, something that should not be violated. And in 1973, the Supreme Court disregarded centuries of pro-life precedents in our legal system, in the Roe v. Wade decision that legalized abortion. And since that time, some 60 million Americans, uh, babies have lost their lives 
before they had the opportunity to breathe their first breath or see their first sunrise. Now, it's a difficult message to bring because there are so many people who have been affected by abortion. So many women who have had one or more abortions, men who have pressured a woman to have an abortion, people who have a loved one who chose abortion in spite of their warnings and protests. And much of the counseling that pastors do is related to lives that have been impacted by abortion. So this is a very sensitive subject. It's important for us to know the truth about it from God's Word. And we find that through Jesus Christ there is hope, there is forgiveness, restoration, and healing for those who carry guilt. Now for those who take notes, the outline today is simple. God is pro-life. Abortion is murder. An individual or nation are held responsible for the shedding of innocent blood. And finally, and of great importance, God's grace is sufficient to cover any sin. So I want to make the first point very clear, and I don't know how to make it more clearly than to say it this way. God is pro-life. God is pro-life. Jesus said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal, everlasting, abundant life. God is pro-life. God is so much pro-life that He sent Jesus, who is God incarnate. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word is Jesus Jesus is God, and Jesus is pro-life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And Christians are called to follow the example of Jesus Christ. And if Jesus Christ is pro-life, so should be every Christian. Amen? And so that there is no confusion in this matter whatsoever, God tells us directly that we should be Pro-life. Exodus chapter 20 contains the Ten Commandments. One of those Ten Commandments is chapter, is chapter 20, verse 13, Thou shalt not kill, or in later versions, Thou shalt not murder. Uh, murder is closer to the intended meaning. Accidents can happen. People can be killed as a result of that. But this is a reference to intentionally taking the life of another person. Now, the Ten Commandments are in chapter 20. In the next chapter, chapter 21, we find this instruction from the Lord. Anyone who assaults and kills another person must be put to death. But if it was simply an accident permitted by God, I will appoint a place of refuge where the slayer can run for safety. However, if someone deliberately kills another person, then the slayer must be dragged even from my altar and be put to death. So the penalty for intentionally taking a life is death. If the death is accidental, then the person has a place to flee so that the matter can be brought before a proper court and processed and the person protected from those who in their anger might do an injustice. But God commanded that if, if the court finds that the person is guilty of intentionally taking the life of another person where there's not justification to do so, that there's to be no place of sanctuary, even at his altar. You know, churches in times past were considered a place of sanctuary, and they, and they should be today. But what God was saying is even if the person is at the altar inside of the church, they're to be taken outside of the church, and justice is to be done. There are several examples in chapter 21 in which the uh, death penalty is to be exercised. Uh, anyone who strikes a father or mother, kidnappers, anyone who curses a father or mother, 
So capital punishment was not something that was initiated by mankind. It is initiated by God. Now, some people might say, well, if God is so pro-life, why does he demand capital punishment? Isn't that inconsistent? And the answer is no, it's not the least bit inconsistent. The reason that God requires the death penalty for certain people is they have done something that abrogates or revokes their right to life. An unborn child has done nothing to revoke their right to life. They have done nothing worthy of the death penalty. They don't deserve to be put to death. And so placing a death penalty on an unborn child who has done nothing worthy of death is a miscarriage of justice. And God is just. We also find in chapter 21 that children inside the womb deserve special protection. Exodus 21-22 says, Now suppose two men are fighting, and in the process they accidentally strike the pregnant woman, so she gives birth prematurely. If no further injury results... The man who struck the woman must pay the amount of compensation the, husband, the woman's husband demands, and the judges approve. But if there is further injury, the punishment must match the injury. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a bone, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. So the punishment for taking the life of an unborn child, even by accident, is death, a life for a life. You see, that life, that little life in the womb is sacred. And so when there is a pregnant woman nearby, every precaution should be taken. Now, popular culture today teaches that the fetus is only some tissue in the womb, that at some arbitrary point in development becomes human. But what does the Bible say about this matter? Well, we just came through the Christmas season. And Luke chapter 1 is a familiar passage, but listen carefully to what we are told in Scripture. Remember that we are reminded uh, that angels were sent to announce the birth of Jesus. And angels have existed since the beginning of recorded history, and they watch, they've watched over the human race for centuries. They have better knowledge than any doctor has been trained in any medical facility. But look at what the angel said in Luke chapter 1, verse 35. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. Did you hear what the angel said? The baby yet to be born. The baby is not yet born, but it's a baby inside the womb. If you come down a few more verses, verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. What was in the womb? A baby. There's a story found in Genesis chapter 25. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer, and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in the womb, in her womb. And so she went to ask the Lord about it. What is this happening to me, she asked. And the Lord told her, now we're talking the Lord speaking here, not an angel, but the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other. Your older son will serve your younger son. Did you hear what the Lord said? 
the sons in your womb. They were not yet born. Yet they are still described as sons, human beings. You know, that flies in the face of a lot of science, quote-unquote, that we experience here today in the 21st century. But God's Word stands the test of time. Once a child, always a child. This has been God's design from the beginning. You've been listening to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Layden Sheely from Church of the Highlands here in San Bruno. Thank you for joining us today as our time together is reflected on the sanctity of life. If you have questions about the broadcast or Sanctity of Life, reach out to us through our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And then come back and join us tomorrow as we'll close out the week with another look at Sanctity of Life here on Study Verse by Verse.